Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR Sports Radio 550. First of all, I'll start the day off by telling you, whoo, it is Rolex time, Tony Blanchard. So don't be bringing on one of those Mickey Mouse watches and trying to impress the world. How can you possibly expect, whoo, to be the world champion? With a body like that, them teeny weeny arms and those skinny weeny legs and that oh so turkey looking neck. I won't drive nothing but Mercedes or Rolls Royce. I won't go nowhere on a commercial airliner. I won't ride in nothing but limousines and I won't make love to nothing but the best looking women in the world. Remember, when Ric Flair's in town, showtime. Woo! on WGR Sports Radio 550. And that is a fitting start to our Saturday morning there. A little Ric Flair to wake y'all up. Welcome into a Saturday morning here, Nate Geary, with you this morning on WGR. We've got a jam-packed Saturday of local programming from uh, Tita Green that just uh, just ended this morning with Brian Koziel, Jeff Metis, uh, Kevin Sylvester, all the way until the Belmont Stakes this afternoon. Uh, Sal and Dan Cave will be out at OTB. They'll be... Uh They'll be setting the stage for the Belmont Stakes. And then uh, Sports Talk Saturday this afternoon, 11 to 2 with Matthew Collar. So we've got local broadcast and local programming all day for you. Of course, the listener, we're always looking out for you. It was an interesting night yesterday, so that's kind of where I want to start um, the NBA Finals game for yesterday. Uh, the Cavs losing a pretty devastating game for uh, for not only the Cavs, but the city of Cleveland. Uh, pretty unfortunate uh, yesterday. They weren't able to get it done. Uh, I am neither a Cavs or Warriors fan, uh, so it's uh, fun for me to watch uh, and not really have an emotional connection to the game, but also enjoy watching it. Uh, also today, we are going to talk a lot of Sabres. I've got Brad Gelbert coming on from WKBW. Uh, so we're going to talk some hockey with Brad uh, in the second portion of the first hour here. Uh, we'll get his take on what the Sabres should do with the eighth overall pick. I mean, the draft is all but 13 days away, just under two weeks. Um, so... It's a getting to that time where we got to start talking about what the Sabres should be doing. Uh, should they trade? Should they stay at eight? Should they pick a defenseman? Should they pick a forward? Um, there's a lot of things that the Sabres can do, uh, so we'll talk to Brad about that in the first hour. Second hour, I've got Chris Trapasso on. He's the uh, the new chief editor over at Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, so we'll have him on, and we'll talk some Bills OTAs. He wasn't there, uh, but we're, uh, we'll talk about uh, Sal Capaccio's article he had on WGR550.com. Uh, you can go up on the website and take a look at it there. Uh, he just kind of goes through some of the guys that uh, have been making an impact and camp 
camp so far. So second hour, we're really going to focus in on the Bills. We'll talk some Bisons as well. They've got an interesting day uh, going on today. Keep Brady suspended night, a pretty uh, pretty clever troll job, as my producer Derek Kramer said. Derek, uh, have you been to any Bisons games? I, I unfortunately have not gotten myself out to a Bisons game yet this year. I would like to get out there soon. I definitely would like to be out there tomorrow, I mean today, but uh, unfortunately I, I cannot. Yeah, and interestingly enough, it's a doubleheader today. Uh, the, hopefully hopefully the weather uh, is going to hold up for Keep Brady Suspended Night. Uh, doubleheader starts at 6.05, so it'll be a late one tonight. Uh, so uh, if you're headed out to the park, uh, bring a parka. It may, be, uh, it may be a little rainy, but it is supposed to be very warm today and, and humid. So uh, you won't need exactly a jacket. But, uh, but yeah, so keep Brady suspended night. That should be fun. Hopefully, as I said, the weather holds up for that. As we said last night, uh, Steph Curry, uh, he woke up from his uh, three-game slumber uh, and really, really took it to the Cavs last night. But not only that, it was really the co- the combined effort of the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. And you know, I, as much as we can talk about basketball on WGR, we don't really get to do it enough. And and now that we've got the stage to uh, to kind of talk about it, I'm going to take advantage of it. And uh, and to me, it's um, you've got to really appreciate what the Warriors are doing to a very good Cleveland Cavalier team. Uh, but to me, the biggest difference here, and it's in a lot of, it's almost exactly the opposite in hockey. Um, you look at hockey, the Western Conference is more of a, a slow it down, physical um, conference style of play, whereas you have in the Eastern Conference, you have more up tempo. Other than really New Jersey, you have a lot of up tempo, um, fast pace. And then the NBA, you have the Western Conference, which is almost exclusively running the floor, quick paced offenses. Uh, shooting threes in transition and I mean there's no better example than the Golden State Warriors they are one of those teams that run and gun uh, they'll score 120 points a night on you and it's fun to look at the contrasting styles in this game and really watch two teams who do two of the opposite things well and you have the Cavs who are really they thrive when they slow it down um, and they've got guys like Kevin Love and good shooters around the perimeter Channing Frye big guys who can shoot and create mismatches but they haven't really been able to do that this series. I mean, if you watched any of the finals before this, I mean, you really got an idea of how good the Cleveland Cavaliers were at shooting the three-point ball, especially guys like Channing Frye, who have really gone invisible in, the, in this series. Uh, but Chan- Channing Frye really had his mark early on in the, in the uh, series against Toronto, um, really hurt them with, with, with a three-point game. And this series, as I mentioned, it really hasn't uh, reared its head. I, I mean, obviously the injury to Kevin Love hurt them, um, but you would you would think with that injury you'd see a little bit more Channing Fry. But they've decided to go small. They've decided to go with Richard Jefferson, which in my mind was a good move for Game Three. It definitely changed things up for the Warriors, uh, but. This is a game of, you know, there's a lot of runs in, in basketball, and especially in this series, there's been a lot of runs. And you have teams who, who just kind of either go hot or go, hold, or go cold, I'm sorry. And yesterday, the Cavs just went cold in the fourth quarter. I was at Deep South Taco. I don't know. if Derek, have you ever been to Deep South Taco? I've never been to Deep South Taco. I would, uh, I would highly suggest going. It's delicious. Uh, plus, they've got this giant screen which I think is probably their their claim to fame. It's probably, well, it's much bigger than this wall because it's taller, but, I mean, a giant projection screen right outside on a patio bar. 
wow. and plus delicious Mexican food. So it was kind of a cool scene. I watched, I would say, the first three quarters there and then listened to the game on WGR um, on my way home. And I didn't actually get to see the end of the game that there was some apparent drama with, with Draymond Green and LeBron James and supposedly some Cleveland Cavaliers fans were getting pretty upset and Green may uh, or may not have had another low blow incident uh, and that uh and I, I didn't necessarily see it live i did see some highlights of it this morning i, I don't want to put all the blame on draymond green lebron james was oh they were hovering they were both, over him they were both having a little spat there yeah it just it just escalated to that and you know it draymond green's had these issues over the course of the playoffs but uh you know it, it's It'll be interesting to see if there's any disciplinary response from the league from that for Game 5. Uh, if Draymond Green can't play, that would be an interesting setup for the rest of the series. 0-32, Derek, all-time teams are when they go down 3-1 to in the NBA Finals. No team has come back from a 3-1 to deficit. Yeah, that's a bit depressing. Kind it's a bit depressing for, uh, for, for Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. I Personally, I, I'm just not a Cleveland fan. Uh, I'm just, I, I can't get with LeBron. I can't get with that team. Um, to me, there's a lot of me on that team. There's not a lot of team unity. When you look at the Cavs, or I'm sorry, when you look at the Warriors, the reason to me that they're potentially the best team of all time, and I think that they may potentially be the best team of all time, is because that team is 11 or 12, or their entire bench is, they can all play. So if Steph Curry, the league MVP, doesn't make the kind of impact that he's made all season long, you got a guy like Sean Livingston who comes off the bench and drops 20 in game one. Or you got a guy like Leandro Barbosa who comes off the bench and drops 14 in game one. Or you got a guy like Mo Spates who comes off the bench and can hit shots. You know, Maurice Spates, that is, who was a, a big contributor if you watched any of those Billy Donovan Florida teams that won those back-to-back national championships with Corey Brewer and uh, Joaquin Noah. You know, you have this sort of balanced attack where if you put your backups in against Golden State's backups oh you're going to get thrashed you're going to get thrashed and and the thing the thing that i enjoy most about that team is when everything's clicking when the splash brothers combined for 63 points and clay thompson's just hitting 3 after 3 and curry is contributing on the boards and he's active in fast breaks and he's you know getting other guys involved they're i think unbeatable I mean, they lost nine games last year, so they're pretty much unbeatable as it is, but when they play perfect and they play all-around good basketball, there isn't a team right now currently in this league that can beat them, and they're proving that by just dismantling what was the best Eastern Conference team in probably a few years. The Eastern Conference, if if you don't know basketball as much, the Eastern Conference is a much, much weaker conference, an inferior conference. Uh, when you look to the West, the West have about four or five legitimate NBA champion contenders. Uh, I mean, go through it. I mean, you got the Clippers, you got the Spurs, you got obviously the Warriors, you got OKC. I mean, that's four teams right off the bat there. And those four teams could easily have been in the spot that the Warriors are in right now. And then you look at the East, and they were playing Toronto. And, uh, and, and I don't want to. Toronto was the best shot to dethrone Cleveland. <laughs> And even See, that, I think and even I, that they showed that that wasn't really going to happen. I think a healthy Heat team would have contended a little bit better than that, and not not only that, but I think it would have been a great storyline uh, to see a Heat Cavs final. But unfortunately, the Heat were really just riddled with injuries, and they were beat and they were worn down by the end of that seven game series in Toronto. So, 
ultimately ended up being Toronto, and I don't think the style of play that Toronto has really <clears throat> prepped uh, really prepped the Cavs to go up against a team like Golden State. You know, they were 0-2 against Golden State in the regular season uh, this season, and the struggles continue, and, and really what you're seeing is last night LeBron James was kind of irrelevant towards... I mean, towards the end of the game when no one could hit shots, but what the Golden State Warriors are able to do defensively, I think, is the thing that goes most untalked about. You know, this team is probably the one of the best defensive teams in the past five or ten years in the NBA. I mean, this team could rival, and, and I, I do really honestly think that this team could potentially, I think in a seven-game series, beat the 97 Bulls, 96-97 Bulls. I think they're that good. I think that not a lot of people want to give Steph Curry the credit that he deserves. I think a lot of people want to hate on Steph Curry, and I think a lot of people want to hate on LeBron. Yeah, they want to hate on the best people in the league because it's the easiest thing to do. They're the easiest target. They're they're the easiest target. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of people are so salty, and there's got to be one side that can't just enjoy what we're seeing right now. And it's potential that you could see... Now, it's going to be a big factor as to whether or not LeBron James stays in Cleveland. Now, I think he will, but he's got the ability to opt out of his contract this year and test the free agent pool again. I don't think he'll do it, but it's an option. And I was going to say, where do you go at this point? I mean, he could go back to Miami. Again, I mean, I feel like he is Cleveland. Why not just stay there? If, if you want to try to get something to win from the East... Why go back to my right and 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 to and, and honestly the thing is is the landscape of the NBA is about to get pretty interesting this offseason. Kevin Durant, uh, where he goes, is going to play a big role in you know what the formation of the West is because if he leaves Oklahoma City and joins Golden State or joins Miami or goes to the East or something, I mean it'll be interesting to see. The NBA is kind of a revolving door. After whoever wins this series, I think there's a lot of th- things that can happen in the offseason that will change the landscape of the league. So it's it's an interesting time for the NBA, and I think that we should all do a little bit more appreciating of Steph Curry and LeBron James and what they're able to do because uh, you just don't see this type of success against. And, and, and as I mentioned before, the series really started is I thought the cool part about this series was that it wasn't going to just be about Curry. It wasn't going to be just about LeBron. It wasn't going to be about the stars. This series, I thought, was going to hinge on the role players on each team. Is who comes out and has really has a, a big performance off the bench, or a guy like Andre Iguodala who is just I just shows up in the finals. Earlier in the season, when I was watching Golden State, I mean Iguodala wasn't getting much playing time. He, to me, looked like he was done. I thought he was retiring after the season. He looked old. He just didn't look like he had it anymore. And then here come the playoffs, and he's playing 35 minutes a night. And he's the best defender on their best on-ball defender on their team. And not only that, but he's hitting timely shots. He's hitting from three. And then you got a guy like Harrison Barnes, who yesterday was just hitting timely three after timely three. And then Draymond Green, who, say what you will about some of his antics, I really, really enjoy watching Draymond Green I think his his game um, is as close to perfect for this type of NBA that hybrid guy who has the handles of a point guard has the rebounding ability of a seven-foot center has the speed and I mean breakaway 
fast break speed of of think of your top point guard, and you've got a six foot eight, seven foot two wingspan man running up and down the court. He's a haul to stop. That, that's the ultimate swing man right there. Yeah. You know, a guy that you can put pretty much anywhere that is not going to have a problem guarding any player, any assignment. Because of all of the athleticism in the range that he has, and and I think that Cleveland's tried to offset Draymond Green a lot. I think I think that they realized that the key to this series was going to be stopping guys like Draymond Green, and unfortunately they haven't done it well enough. And you know, in that first game, he had twenty seven, I think, and he hasn't had that type of impact scoring the ball or shooting like he did in game one. I mean, he shot the lights out from three. He's really struggled outside of game one from the three point line, but. He's a guy that you just, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but Richard Jefferson can't cover Draymond Green. And if Draymond Green's playing four, so is Richard Jefferson. And the issue it then comes back to is who's guarding who. And it's clear to me right now that they don't have any idea what to do with the all the weapons of the Golden State Warriors. So I, I, I think this series ultimately is over. I think the numbers would suggest that. Oh, as I mentioned before, O of 32 are teams down three games to one in the NBA Finals. No team has ever come back from a 3-1 to one deficit uh, to win the NBA Finals. So I think that's important to note. But up next, I am going to have my good friend Bradley Gelbert on from WKBW. Uh, we're going to talk some hockey, uh, so I do want to at least intro the uh, what we'll talk about a little bit here um, in our in our interview with with Bradley. And obviously, we're about 13 days away from the NHL draft. There is a lot of talk, and there will be continuing talk moving up to the draft, especially once the Stanley Cup's over. I think that once the Stanley Cup's over and the off season's in full swing, uh, the rumors will be a flying, and you. Bet your bottom dollar that Tim Murray will be probably in the midst of all of that talk uh, as we move closer. Obviously, the draft being in Buffalo, I don't necessarily think that there's this some sort of added pressure on Tim Murray to do something big because the draft is in Buffalo. But I think that it is definitely going to play a factor in what he does. So for me... I want to know. I want to ask Brad. I want to know, do the Sabres trade out of that eighth pick? Do they try to trade up uh, for one of these top forward prospects instead of a defender? Uh, or do they stick at eight? Do they take Chikorin? Do they take Ole Ulevi? Do they take one of these young defensive prospects that uh, we also spoke on the program a few weeks ago? Brayton uh, kindly got Craig Button in from TSN. And we we talked to Craig Button about these top three defenders, uh, and that's Bean Chikorin and um, Ole Ulevi, and also you can you can put Sergachev uh, in there as well, uh, the defender from Russia. But I think that all three of these, all four of these defensive prospects, are probably about two to three years away from really making any sort of impact at the NHL level. So to me, I need to ask Brad: Is that something you're interested in? Do you want a guy that won't help this team until? you know, 2017, 2018. Uh, so I think that's important to talk about and what the Sabres will do moving forward. So Bradley Gelbert on with me next. We'll have that right here on WGR. I mean, I want to try and produce every night. That's my goal when I come to the rink. I'm sure if you ask Pav, Jumbo, Burnsy, Patty, everyone, you know, we, we know that we haven't uh, scored many goals or any in this series. And it's one of the reasons why we're down 3-1. So we didn't want the season to end tonight. Little sound there from, I believe it was Logan Couture there from uh, some NHL Finals uh, preview. That's tomorrow night. Again, we've got all of your NHL and NBA fix needs right here on WGR. We'll have live coverage of the NHL Finals. 
and uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, I mean, and the NBA Finals as well. I'm just trying to produce, you know, for Bernsey, Jumbo. For Ball, yeah, yeah Bernsey. Yes, eh? yes, all those guys, yeah. yeah ask them all. Okay. Ask them all. They all want to do well, eh? That was awesome. I love Logan Couture. He's one of my favorite players. But now, as we talk about hockey, I want to bring in Brad Gelber. Brad, how you doing this morning, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, sorry we couldn't get you on last week. Obviously, the Muhammad Ali thing happened, and we didn't get to talk yeah. hockey, but we got this week, so uh, we might as well get going. We've got the draft, man. Draft's like under two weeks away. The Sabres have the eighth overall pick, obviously. So I want to play a little GM with you, man, because I want to know. Uh, be, well, the, my biggest issue right now is I don't know what I want the Sabres to do with the eighth overall pick. I don't know if they want if I want them to trade him or if I want them to stay there and take a defenseman or stay there and take the best available forward. So for you, eighth pick, what's the ideal situation? Right. I mean, exactly what you just said. There, there's so many different scenarios and. and in, it really comes down to, in my mind, what do the Sabres uh, value or what do, where do they view themselves at this point in the rebuilding process? Because that's going to say a lot about what they do with this eighth pick. Um, obviously, fans have a different perspective on it. And, and I did a couple quick Twitter polls <clears throat> since last week when we were going to talk just to see what, where people were at. Because like you, I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth with this. And it actually seems like I asked people, would you want them to keep the pick? Do you want them to trade up, possibly trade down? Uh, 55% of the people said they'd want them to trade up. Mm. Um, and then that's kind of where I'm at, I guess. Uh, if, if the Sabres view themselves as possibly contending for the playoffs this season, which I think they should, um, I'm all for them trading up if there's a guy that they, that they feel strongly about. Obviously, we've heard Kachuk thrown around a lot. Um, and we know that Edmonton, um, they've said they would be willing to part with the pick. And, in fact, we've heard that they're more likely to part with it than keep it at this point. So uh, looking at that, I would, I would be on board with them if they are willing to part with, you know, and, that, and then it comes down to what are they going to part with to move up. So, you know, it's four spots. And people say, well, it's only four spots. But the difference between, you know, the fourth overall pick or the third overall pick and the eighth overall pick in drafts can be huge. So I, I understand mathematically it's four spots or five spots, but it's, it's a big jump when you go from the talent at that point. So um, I, I think I, I would like to see them move up if that's something they feel strongly about. Um, and then it comes down to, well, what are they going to package to do that? Um, so I've heard things, I've read things, um, maybe something that they would be willing to do is package a guy like Pezek who – Looks like he might be on his way out at this point with the other young defenseman there. Obviously, they'd throw in the eighth overall pick. And then maybe someone like Gergensen's, which I know that a lot of Sabres fans, they like him. He's, he's performed well. He's an everyday player. Um, that was another, another poll I ran. I said, would you be willing to part with Gergensen's to move up in the draft? Um, and that was pretty evenly split. 56% of people said they would. Um, so, again, if it comes down to someone that they value that much and they think is going to help them right now, um, I'm on board with, with moving a guy like Gergensen if, if they feel that that's going to really get them over the hump and do what they got to do. I've got Brad Gelbert on here from WKBW on the AT&T Hotline. We're talking Sabres draft right now. Brad, I think what you said is really important and I don't think is really kind of talked about enough as to why and what is kind of going into the thought process of this pick. And that's where they view themselves as a franchise in this rebuild. And 
you know, people talk about it all the time and comparing Buffalo and Edmonton. I mean, Buffalo is really kind of already ahead of Edmonton in their rebuild, and they really kind of started two years after Edmonton did. So to me, I think you're right. I, I just don't see any of the defensemen. I, I think they're all good prospects. I, I think they're very close in talent. I just don't think that they help this team win next year. So if the Sabres feel that, though, this team is ready to make the jump next year, and I would agree with you. I think that they are ready to make a, to be a playoff team next year. And you also have guys like Evander Kane, who aren't going to be around forever, especially if they make upgrades to the roster this offseason. You know, he's the most likely guy to not, you know, get a second contract with the team moving forward. And so you only got guys like that for a little while here. So getting a guy to me who can help tomorrow opposed to two years down the line, I think's the key here, right? I mean, is is adding a roster player maybe for this pick in play? Do they maybe say, hey, let's trade, Ed- Let's maybe Edmonton wants two top ten picks, and maybe you trade her for a roster player right now. I mean, is the eighth pick in play for a roster player in your eyes right now? Yeah, I mean, exactly what we just discussed. If if they feel they are ready now, then I don't think anything's off the board when it comes to Tim Murray. I think that if he, we've seen, we've seen it. We've seen it with Evander Kane. We've seen it with guys where if he ha- if he's dead set on making a move, he's going to make the move, whether people agree with him or not. And yeah, you look at the defensive prospects, and there's nice prospects like Joe Levy or Chikorin or Sergachev, but they're not guys. If they view this as a year they want to make a push those are probably not guys that are going to make the team now. So if they feel like they want to go for a rostered player or they want to trade up for a guy they think has a chance to make the roster this year, they got to do it. And I know people want them to sit at eight and take one of the defensive players or if they're going to move up, find a way to bring in defense. But at the same time, um, it's really all where they view themselves. And it doesn't matter where you view them. It doesn't matter where I view them. It doesn't matter where the, any other fan views them. It matters where Tim Murray and where the team views them. And, and that's how I think really where, what it's going to come down to. And obviously who is there on draft day, who's available. Um, and it, I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what will happen on draft day. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the defensemen are nice prospects, but they're not going to step in and start for you this year. And I think if you're going to draft that high, in my mind, you need to draft someone that can come in and make an impact right away. If, if you're ready to compete and you're not saying, hey, we're still stuck in this rebuild, you got to be patient. And I don't think that's necessarily where the Sabres are at right now. I mean, think about it, too, this way, Brad. Uh, in a year or two years from now, two or three years now, and say it takes two years for one of these top defensive prospects to, to get to the NHL level, I mean, you're looking at two or three years down the line, you're having to re-sign Jack Eichel. You're having to re-sign Sam Reinhart. You're, you're looking at the next contract for Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean, you have a lot of things coming up in three years. I think the window for this team to be really good is when they don't have to be paying their younger players. Guys like Eichel, who are going to be some of their best players, they're paying them as rookies. They don't have these giant seven, eight, eleven-year, million-dollar-a-year contracts. So what they do here, I think, also will be interesting as far as the Stamkos watch goes. So if they take a forward or they move up or trade for a forward, I mean, what do you think that says about where this team stands in the Stamkos watch? Right. That's, that's another great point is that, you know, almost on the flip side of that is if they are able to land a guy like Stamkos or another forward, they almost, 
it removes the need then from necessarily having to draft that player. So I think if they're going to take a guy and they move up to take a guy, then, you know, maybe they're not viewing themselves as really in the hunt for Stamkos. But um, I think at the end of the day, like we, like we said, it really comes down to are they able to, to get a guy of that caliber to come on the team? And then maybe they feel comfortable staying at eight and taking a defenseman. They know that it's very talented, that has a lot of skill that they can wait on a little bit. But, um, again, like I said early on, I think a guy like Pezik is a, is a piece that they can move because I think he's valued around the league. He's young. He has an upside. But if you looked at some of the, of the playing time last season and things that have happened with other defensemen on the team, you know, McCabe and guys like that, I think that Murray would be willing to part with him. Um, and I, I just I found it so interesting to see what pe- how strongly some people feel about Gergensen because I think he is a guy that obviously has upside and he ha- probably hasn't hit his ceiling yet. He's coming along. But at the same time, um, it, you only get value for a player – how you utilize them. So if Gergensen isn't being utilized with all the other players, offensive players on this team, as they come up, why not trade him? And another point that was made on WGR earlier this week was with the expansion, with the expansion draft, if they're not going to be able to protect Gergensen necessarily, they might lose him for nothing. So at that point, maybe you are better off just packaging guys like Pezik and Gergensen and trying to move up in the draft to land a guy that you feel strongly about. So there, there's a ton of different factors when it comes down to this, but um, I, I feel good about this, and, I, and I, I'm excited to see what they do. Brad, Derek Kramer here. Sometimes with uh, with draft strategies, you're not necessarily drafting for the roster's sake. Sometimes it's for your prospect pool. We're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of great, dip, uh, great depth and talent with the forwards here in the top ten. I'm going to say if Buffalo decides – to not try to trade the pick, and they try to draft, would you be against a guy like, you know, a Pierre-Luc Dubois or an Alex Nylander or Clayton Keller? You know, because the Sabres, they look relatively weak now down the middle and on the left wing. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure those are all on the table as well, taking a forward there. Um, I mean, at that point, I know this has been really not talked about too much because it's not fun to talk about moving back in the draft, but... I mean, at that point, possibly if you're going to take a forward and you think he's going to be there, maybe the strategy then is to try and trade back and and get another asset for later on in the draft. Because I think if you look at it, you just have to see what other teams are doing at that point. I think that the Sabres fans would have, you know, a heart attack if they stayed at eight and didn't take a defense, one of the top defensemen. Because at that point, you know, you're saying – I this is what I feel about the team, but I think it's impossible to know what Tim Murray's thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's so much talent. I think it, it kind of starts blending together at that point. Um, I you know I heard Craig Button was on yesterday with the guys talking, and he, he said something about you know once you hit that 12, uh, 10, 11, 12, they all start kind of just blending together, and you you got to rank guys in different spots, but. They don't necessarily, they're not, their talent isn't that different from one another. So I think if the Sabres want to take a forward and they can move back, uh, I'd be okay with that. Or if, if they really feel there's a guy at eight that fits what they want, uh, I'm all for it. I, I don't pretend to know more than Tim Murray does, but um, yeah, I don't see that being out of the realm of possibility. And not to mention, I, I could see them trying to dra- trade Gergensen's Pesic and, and a B or C level prospect and pair one of those bevy of second round picks that they have. They can make that deal and then still draft there at eight yeah. or move back. That's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
again, I, yeah, I think that there's so many different um, scenarios on the table yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it will be interesting. And then you have guys coming back like Ennis and things like that who th- this team really has the talent, I think. And, and I'm interested to see can the draft help them this year. And if so, uh, like we said earlier, I think it's going to say a ton about what this team, where this team views themselves in the rebuild based on what they do on draft day this year. Yeah, I mean, Pissick's an interesting name to bring up because, as you mentioned, I feel his the view of Pissick around the league is that he's a solid, probably at his peak, a top-four defenseman. What intrigues me is his hometown where he played uh, OHL hockey in Edmonton. I, for some reason, I just I, I I have this idea that well, first of all, I think we all know that Edmonton needs defense. They're that's their their bugaboo is they just don't have any defensemen. They've got no depth in their prospect pool at defensemen. So to me, who's a player right now in the league that you think is a guy that is an ideal fit for the Sabers? To me, a guy like Taylor Hall. Um, is an ideal fit for me. Like that's a guy that I would love to get my hands on. I would love to put on this roster next to a guy like Jack Eichel or next to a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. And so to you, who is an ideal current roster player in the league that is just the ideal fit for the Sabres to try to make a trade for? Because I think ultimately, if they don't make a move for Stamkos, the trade market's the next real available spot for Tim Murray to get an elite-style player um, to go on that top wing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you said it. Taylor Hall is is a name that I think has been thrown around quite a bit, and I think he would complement the team nicely as well. Um, I I saw a tweet yesterday from one of those uh, rumor NHL rumor accounts that said that they were going to have to part with a guy like Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, not happening. (laughs) Not happening. Yeah, I mean, at that point, Hall is pretty expensive to get. Yeah, he is, but I mean. Sam Reinhardt and, and Jack Eichel, I think, are basically cemented in. Uh, they're probably those two in Risto. Those in you Risto, can't touch. right? Those are your untouchables, and I don't really care who you can get back for those guys. I think the idea is to build around them and, and not necessarily get rid of them. I mean, I mean that, that's probably the consensus. I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Reinhardt's up there with Jack in terms of being untouchable. I, you know, my immediate reaction was I started laughing, and then you know, if you think about it. You know, maybe if you value Hall and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, those, those three guys that you mentioned, Risto, Sam, and Jack, I, I think that's the future of the team and how they, they make guys fit with them or they meld guys around there, I think will all come. But I, those three are not going anywhere in my eyes. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I laughed when I, when I said that. I, just, I don't see that happening whatsoever. Yeah, I agree with you, buddy. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on with me this morning. You got any questions for me? I feel like I just ask you all the questions, and you just, you know, you never get to ask me anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You said you don't know what, what's going to happen. Well, what do you? What would you like to see? Ideally, do you want them to stay at eight, or would you prefer them to move up this year? I think my dream scenario in this is that they don't even walk up on that stage uh, June 24th. I think they, uh, to be honest, I my ideal situation is trade that eighth pick, trade a guy like Gergensen's and or Pissick, and go get. Uh, I, my ideal situation is Rick Nash uh, from New York. Uh, oh. uh, my, he's he's a former 50-goal scorer. He's a former – I mean, he's the ideal winger. He's big, and I think he would be 
I just the ideal fit next to Eichel. He's not as fast. He won't be able to keep up with Eichel necessarily, but in the corners and feeding Eichel the puck and a guy that Eichel can feed the puck to. I mean, this guy's only making six and a half million. I mean, he's not making a lot. New York's got to do something over there. Their their situation is a mess. If I'm over trade, there. if I'm if I'm dealing with the Rangers, I'm trying to get a younger, more talented player there from them because Nash is all, only thirty. But a lot of offers on the table, and I don't want playoff Houdini on the Sabers. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Nash fan myself, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think my dream scenario ends up being a, a roster player now that helps this team next year, um, not someone. And, and even if you move up, Brad, I mean, if you move up and get a guy like, I mean. Kachuk, yes, he's potentially helping this team next year. But I think unless you're getting line A, there's no yeah. reason to me to move up. I, I, unless you're getting line A, that to me, it's line A or bust if you're moving up. Otherwise, I think taking somebody at eight doesn't help you tomorrow. So to me, it, it's kind of a waste. To, to me, it's a waste. But, I mean, other people really value that eighth pick because they want a franchise defenseman and they think that one of these guys is ultimately going to be a franchise defenseman. But, you can't, I mean, defenseman in the NHL is such... It's such a hard position to develop. We got really lucky when we got Ristolainen, right. and he just blossomed and was able to basically step in right away. Let alone two defensemen taken right. before him. And, and, and you had Zid- right, and then plus you also had Zadorov, who say what you will about him, but I mean he would be on the roster if he was still in Buffalo. So you know it, it'll be interesting to see, Brad. We've got some time. I look forward to uh, at least one or two crying Jordans from you in from now <laughs> until the draft. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate it, buddy, and uh, we will talk again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, and I'll do my best to uh, pump those out for you. Oh, man, I can only hope. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Bradley Gelbert there from the WKBW TV side. So we get a little TV personality on the radio, too. We are well-versed here at WGR, bringing you everything from radio to television. It's, uh, you know, everything you could hope for. We're multidimensional like that. You are. And and sometimes, you know, although they would never put our intentionally put our faces on television here at the studio because we are on radio for a reason. And as I've as I'm told multiple times by my friends is that I have a face for radio. Uh, You're talking for yourself, man. (laughs) I don't know about that, Derek. Come on. Come on. We're both ugly. It's the way it goes, man. Hey, uh, but anyway, so uh, when we come back, uh, we'll close things off for the first hour. Uh, I will finish up some of my thoughts on what I think the Sabres should do and will do. Also, another player that I would look to as possibly being trade bait that may kind of surprise you, but may not. Um, so we'll do that next, and then next hour we're going to start talking Bills. So, uh, so get your Bills hard hats on, people. So all that's next right here on WGR. All right, welcome back to our final segment here in the first hour. It's uh, It's been a whirlwind to start the morning out here. The weather since we've started has turned a little bit. It's Mostly looks the same. Mostly looks the same, but the sun appears that it wants to peer out a little bit today, which would be perfect again. We have a little Bison's promo today, the Keep Brady Suspended Night. So uh, if you've got nothing to do and you've got some properly inflated footballs in the garage, bring them down to the Bison Stadium. You can buy one, get one free tickets. And you want to donate to a good cause as well. Also, if you have any undestroyed cell phones, they're doing a cell phone drive for charity as well. So I'm out of that one. Yeah, as am I. I've this is the only non-destroyed phone I have, so and it's nearly that way. To be so. fair, my phone destroyed itself. I didn't destroy it. 
I've got a history with with phones. It's not a good one either. So I try to uh, take as good care of these bad boys as I can because I'm uh, I'm stuck with this one for at least another six months, and uh, it's I don't see it lasting. But that's just me. And then, then that's I'm a you problem telling, right yeah, there. I'm not telling anybody other than myself. But anyway, so next hour here we are going to really dive into Bill's OTAs. There was uh, they finished up OTAs this week, uh, but I do want to touch a little bit more on some Sabers uh, before we dive into the Bills as well. Next segment. So I want and as I teased right before last break. Uh, there's a player that I want to discuss about possibly trading. Um, and I also want to talk about a guy like Gergensen's and where he stands on this team and why I think ultimately uh, he could be moved and why he would not be moved to Edmonton. So I've got some stuff on that coming up next in the next hour. So we've got a jam-packed second hour here. We've got, uh, as I said, Bills and a little bit of Sabres Cup coming up as well. Chris Trapasso from Buffalo Rumblings. He'll be on with us at 9.30, and uh, he will dive into this Bill stuff with us as well. So 803-0550 is the number if you want to get your opinions in. Uh, next half hour is the time to do it. Uh, if you want to tweet me, I already got some tweets about my crazy Rick Nash uh speak and i will defend to the death so uh be ready for that so 803-0550 if you want to get your opinions in who do you want do you want somebody uh that's currently in the league right now that you think would be a nice fit and you want tim murray to go and try to get i'll take your calls on that next also bills otas all that next on wgr this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.